Well, today we get a break from the historical flow of God's story. We're going to be getting into the book of Psalms, and uh, it really gives us a poetic version of God's heart and the heart of God's people. And if you're new here today, we are doing a one-year study on going through the, the, the entire Bible in a story format to see how all of these different parts fit together in one unified Heart. And Psalms is translated as, as praise songs or songs of praise. They're a collection that was written over a thousand years, mostly by King David. He wrote 73 of them. And it's not uncommon that the Bible is cited as one of the greatest uh, pieces of, of English literature to ever exist, out, even outside of its religious nature, just because of the poetic form that it takes. Now, the book of Psalms is so popular that many of our popular songs are actually stemmed or inspired by these verses themselves. Now, since I have no musical ability, uh, I, I have Dave here uh, to kind of uh, show us what that actually looks like. So, um, so, so Dave's going to use his gifts. So again, many of the Psalms are inspired. Many of the songs we have are inspired by the Psalms themselves. So for instance, uh, in Psalm 3, we have the song, Thou, O Lord, art a shield for me. How are they increased that trouble me? Many are they that rise up against Many are they that say of my soul There is no help for him in God But thou, O Lord, are a shield for me Glory and the lifter of my head O thou, O Lord, are a shield for me glory and the lifter of my hand. Psalm 24, the popular song, Give Us Clean Hands. We bow our hearts we bend our knees, O oh Spirit, come make us humble. We turn our eyes from evil things, O oh Lord, we cast down our idols. Give us clean hands, give us pure hearts, let us not leave our toes to another. Give us clean hands, give us pure hearts. Let us not lift our souls to another. Psalm 36, your love, O Lord. Your love, O oh Lord, reaches to the heavens. Your faithfulness 
stretches to the sky. Your righteousness is like the mighty mountain. Your justice flows like the ocean's tide. And I will lift my voice to worship you, my King. I will find my strength in the shadow of your Your love, O oh Lord, reaches to the heavens. Your faithfulness stretches to the sky. A more recent popular one uh, from Psalm 67, the song, The Blessing. Lord bless you and keep you, make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Psalm 84, I, I really love this, this passage. It's one of my favorite passages of Scripture, but the song, Better Is One Day. How lovely is your dwelling place, oh God Almighty. For my soul longs and even faints for you. For here my heart is satisfied Within your presence I sing beneath the shadow of your wings Oh, better is one day in your courts Better is one day in your house one day in your courts than thousands elsewhere. Better is one day in your courts. Better is one day in your house. Better is one day in your courts than 
and thousands elsewhere. Thanks, Dave. I mean, think about that. If you woke up and you said, you know what, I don't feel like reading my Bible today. You know what, I'm just going to get Dave come in to sing the scriptures today. <laughs> right? Let's give it up for Dave. But, but that's what I'm talking about. That, that was beautiful. It, it was a poetic form, and that's the, the way the Psalms were meant to be done. Now, aside from just the way that they were sung, there's a deep and rich theology, a study and understanding of who God is that comes out of that. In, in Psalm 51, you know, we hear what it means to be truly repentant. This is, this is David's psalm about being exposed of his affair with Bathsheba, and he recognizes that his sin is a violation against God, uh, and, and God is just in the way that he needs to be punished. Uh, and at the same token, David is pleading with God on the basis of God's character, his love, his mercy, his forgiveness. And he says, Lord, please, please forgive me. Make me clean. And not only that, but Lord, if you're willing to do that, I will spend my life going out and helping sinners repent and turn back to you. We see in Psalm 90, Moses writes this. Moses talks about the, the, the concept of eternity and, and earthly time. And he says, teach us to number our days that we may give a heart of wisdom. He says, Lord, show me how precious and, and how finite my time is here and how I'm to live with you. And in Psalm 139, it speaks about the all-knowing, the ever-present, the all-powerful God that exists. That we can't hide from God. No matter where we go, God sees all and knows all. But in this passage, he talks about how we are fearfully and wonderfully made. And it's a beautiful truth that says you have intrinsic value and worth, that life is precious, that you are precious for the simple sake that God created you, uniquely you. And so there's this rich theology that exists. Now, if we were to break the Psalms down, though, very simplistically, the Psalms are really one of two things. It's a, it's a song of praise or it's a lament to God. And as you read through the Psalms, you see them woven back and forth through the different chapters. And in some cases, even in the same chapter, you see both a praise and a lament to God. So if you have your Bibles, you can open up to Psalm chapter 22. I want to I work through some of these Psalms here to, to see what this looks like, to really get a sense of what I mean by praise and lament in the same token. So Psalm 22 Starting in verse 1, this is David writing. He says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, so far from the words of my groaning? Oh, my God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer by night, and I am not silent. Yet you are enthroned as the Holy One. You are the praise of Israel. In you our fathers put their trust. They trusted and you delivered them. They cried to you and you were saved and they, in you they trusted and were not disappointed. So David's crying out, God, where are you? I'm going through something. I know you, you, you've told us to trust you and, and, and you saved our people in the past. But God, I need to know where are you right now? And then he continues in verse 6. He says, but I am a worm and not a man, scorned by men and despised by the people. 
All who seek me mock me. They hurl insults, shaking their heads. He trusts in the Lord. Let the Lord rescue him. Let him deliver him since he delights in him. Yet you brought me out of the womb. You made me trust in you, even at my mother's breast. From birth I was cast upon you. From my mother's womb you've been my God. Do not be far from me, for trouble is near and there is no one to help. He says, God, do you see my condition? I'm being mocked. I'm being scorned. Again, I'm crying out to you for help. Because again, you've told me to trust you my whole life. So David is kind of just following up and saying, just in case you didn't hear it, God, I need some help and I don't know if you're listening. Verse 12. Now he says, many bulls surround me. Strong bulls of Bashan encircle me. Roaring lions tearing their prey open their mouths wide against me. I am poured out like water and all of my, all of my bones are out of joint. My heart is turned to wax. It is melted away within me. My strength is dried up like a potsherd. My tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You, you lay me in the dust of death. Dogs have surrounded me. A band of evil men has encircled me. They have pierced my hands and my feet. I can count on all my bones. People stare and gloat over me. They divide my garments among them and cast lots for my clothes. So David's now just expressing the depth of his soul. He says, God, do you understand what's going on? He said, my enemies are all around. They're like lions ready to tear me apart. My bones are broken. God, they're all out of joy. I am in despair. God, if you don't realize it right now, but I am on the verge of death. In verse 19, he makes a transition. He says, but you, O Lord, be not far off. O my strength, come quickly to help me. Deliver my life from the sword, my precious life from the power of the dogs. Rescue me from the mouth of the lions and save me from the horns of the wild ox. Did you notice the transition? But, but God, I've just told you, Lord, everything that's going on but Lord, I'm going to trust that it's you who's going to save me. And so his whole attitude, the tone, the demeanor just shifts now in the passage. And, and now instead of questioning God, he's waiting patiently for God to answer his prayers. And he continues, verse 22. He says, I will declare your name to my brothers and the congregation. I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you descendants of Jacob, honor him, revere him. All you descendants of Israel, for he has not despised or disdained the suffering of the afflicted one. He has not hidden his face from him, but he has listened to his cry for help. So God is not aloof now. No, no, no. Now David is, is transitioning back to the praise of God. And he says, everybody should be praising you, God. Because he has a, a solid understanding that God hears the cries of his people. And he goes and he finishes off the psalm this way. He says, from you comes the theme of my praise in the great assembly. Before those who fear you will I fulfill my vows. The poor will eat and be satisfied. They who seek the Lord will praise him. May your hearts live forever. All the ends of the earth will remember and turn to the Lord and all the families of the nations will bow down before him. 
For dominion belongs to the Lord and he rules over the nations. All the rich of the earth will feast and worship and all who go to the dust will kneel before him. Those who cannot keep themselves alive, posterity will serve you. Future generations will be told about the Lord. They will proclaim his righteousness to a people yet unborn for he has done it. So he just praises him. And he says, God, I know that you will give provision and salvation to me. God, I know that you will come through it. And, and, and Lord, I will prosper. And the generations and generations and generations will proclaim who you are. And then right after Psalm 22, we have Psalm 23, probably one of the most notable psalms that exist. And he says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still quiet waters. He restores my soul and he guides me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all of the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now, chronologically, Psalm 23 doesn't actually follow Psalm 22. But when we put the scriptures together and we read them this way, we get something beautiful and something powerful, don't we? We, we go from, from David shaking his fist at God and then all of a sudden turning it into praise. We have David go from questioning God, God, where are you, to the certainty of God, I know you will come through for me. We go from David fearing for his life, do you see all of my enemies around me, to now trusting that his life will be saved by the one who loves him. He goes from anxiety to peace within his soul. You know, when Krista and I were about to get married or, or newly married, we took dance lessons and uh, we did salsa and ballroom. And I loved it. If you don't know, I like to dance. So invite me to all of your weddings. Um, and and it was um, it, it was great. I, we had a lot. I had a lot of fun doing it. But, you, you know, when, when you. When you're trying to learn dance moves, right? You're, you're trying to watch the steps. You're trying to learn the motions. And then you're like, okay, now I have to somehow combine physically these motions with mentally with what my brain is doing. That becomes a lot harder. And then you start to add the music. Like the music's actually supposed to keep you on rhythm, but when you're not good at it, it actually just can mess you up because you're concentrating on all of that. And so you take two people who are trying to learn how to dance together, and then you put them together. And, and, and for a beginner, you're like, oh man, I've seen those people dance. Like, that's what we're gonna look like. You know, and the reality is that's not what happens at all. Uh, you, you start dancing and, and you're like, wait, wait, what do we do? And wait, hold on, instructor, can you come back and show this again? How does this work? And, and then you like get into it and then you start tripping on each other's toes and you bump into each other. And in any dance, one person has to lead and the other person has to follow. So there was a number of conversations that Krista and I had to have on the dance floor about who was supposed to be leading. 
Because when we both tried to lead, we were off pace and sometimes we were both doing different movements and it just wasn't working out. And, and when I think about the Psalms and, and Krista had led me to a podcast that talked about the Psalms like a dance. And I thought, man, there is, it just seemed like the best picture uh, of how to, to capture this idea. Um, and which isn't surprising, right? Because again, we just heard Dave sing the Psalms to us, right? Uh, C.S. Lewis says, the most valuable thing that the Psalms do for me is to express the same delight in which God made David dance, right? We knew that David danced before the Lord. See, the Psalms becomes a raw emotion of, of, of the outlet of our soul. It, it becomes a chance for us to express what is in the depths of our heart and what is ultimately going on. See, God didn't create us as robots and neither is God. We have God-given emotions that sometimes I need to yell and scream. And sometimes I just need to break down and cry. And sometimes I just need to laugh hysterically. And there are times in life where I worry and there are times in life where despite what's going on all around me, I am as calm as can be. But all of those emotions were given to us by God. And, and so the problem is this, is that too often as followers of Christ, we have really, really bad theology. We, we say this, we say that when something bad happens, I'm not allowed to worry about it, okay? Because I'm a Christian, because I'm a follower of Christ, that if something bad in my life happens, don't stress, because you know the truth, right? You know the truth that God is there and that God loves you and God cares for you. And we go, that's, that's what we're supposed to hang our hats on. That's what I'm supposed to feel the entire time. But we're not superhuman. Right? God gave us those emotions. And because Christ died on the cross, I'm just supposed to have this unwavering faith that always says, no matter what, I'm always going to trust God. I'm never for one moment, one iota, I'm never, ever, ever, ever going to question what he does. And I think the psalm tells us differently. The psalm says you don't have to accept the bad in your life with like this happy heart and big smile on your face. And that's what we do sometimes as Christians. And we put that pressure on ourselves and we put that pressure on others and we go, well, God's there. Don't worry about it. That's not loving at all. And the psalm says, no, 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 that's that's not how it works. See, the. The, the psalm tells us that when when tragedy strikes, when bad happens in our lives, we get to go to God and we say, God, can I have permission to speak freely to you? And God says, absolutely. He says, I want to know what's on your heart. He says, I want to know what's troubling you. And we get to talk to God. And we get to, to just say whatever it is and whatever's on our chest. And we get to ask the question that many times we feel like we're not allowed to ask. And it's the why God question. See, Psalm says it's okay to ask that. Quite frankly, if you've never asked that question in your life, I would think something's wrong with you. 
Because I don't think that's natural. But here's the part that we need to learn. See, there's a big difference from expressing the emotion of what goes on to God versus living in a constant state of that emotion. It's one thing to say, God, I'm afraid. It's a different thing to keep living in that fear. It's not wrong to to come to God and say, God, I'm looking for understanding and God, I want to know and I want to trust you versus coming to God and saying, God, I want an answer and you need to give it to me now. See, those are two completely different thought processes. See, we have a freedom to express to God how we feel, but we don't have a right to tell God what to do. And that's why the Psalms is so wonderful. Because what did David cry out? David cried out, God, where are you? God, I'm surrounded. God, I'm about to die. God, I need you. But then what does he settle on? He settles on, but. But God, I'm going to trust your unfailing love. But God, I'm going to remember your character of grace and love. But God, I'm going to trust the way that you have saved your people in the past and the way that you will continue to save your people in the future. David says that that's where I'm going to settle at the end of the psalm. See, the circumstances haven't changed, but what's changed? What goes on in the mind and what goes on in the heart? And so psalms for us is what? It's, It's learning to dance. It's learning to dance with God. See, when when trouble comes and it starts to overwhelm us and we think, oh my gosh, I'm going to lose my house. I'm going to lose my wife. I'm going to lose my kids. I'm going to lose my job. Someone is going to kill me. And we get into this mode. God steps in and he says, hey, let me just remind you of something here. Psalm 46, he says, I am your refuge and strength. An ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, you will not fear. And though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and the foam and the mountains quake with their surging, I am your God. And so what does God say? He says, take my hand and I'm going to lead you through this dance. And then we start to dance with God. And then two days go by and our circumstances don't change and we start to worry and we trip over God's feet. And then we try to lead because we think God doesn't have it right. And then it becomes a mess and we storm off the dance floor. And then God just stays there and he lets us breathe. And he says, are you done? And we go, yes. And he says, well, come on back. He says, take my hand again. I will walk you through this. And he shows us the steps. And then he says, are you ready for the music? And then he puts the music on. And then we start to dance with God. And we trust him. And instead of falling over his feet, we create this beautiful, coordinated act of grace. And then the song's done. And he says, do you feel better? And we go, yeah. 
And then we go about our days. And then you know what happens? Trouble happens again. And then God turns the music on. And he says, take my hand again. I'm going to lead you through the next dance. And every time we dance with God, we get into a rhythm of learning how to trust him and learning how to follow him. And the more that we trust and the more that we follow, the more the dance becomes more beautiful. So the best thing that we can do is to follow those steps because in that we will find joy and we will find blessing. You know, one commentator said this way about the Psalms. He says, the Psalms have it all. From fiery, righteous indignation to wild, unbridled joy and profound bewilderment. Its poetry has the unique power to evoke the vast and very expanse of human emotion. Now, if we were to do an outline of the entire book of Psalms, if you flip over to Psalm 1, Psalm 1 and 2 are really the introduction to the book of Psalms. And I, I would encourage you guys, just take a chance today just to read Psalm 1 and 2 to see how, 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 how David sets up the Psalms. In Psalm 1, he starts this way. He says, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yield its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. David says, look, you guys are going to be blessed for reading these Psalms. Things are going to go well for you when you read these Psalms. Now, it doesn't mean life is perfect, but the way that we handle life. And then he goes on in Psalm chapter two, and he says this. He said, why do the nations conspire and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers gather together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Let us break their chains, they say, and throw off their fetters. The one enthroned in heaven laughs and the Lord scoffs at them. And then he rebukes them in his anger and he terrifies them in his wrath, saying, I've installed my king on Zion, my holy hill. I will proclaim the decree of the Lord. He said to me, you are my son and today I've become your father. Ask of me and I will make the nations your inheritance, the ends of the earth your possession. You will rule them with an iron scepter and you will dash them to pieces like pottery. Therefore, you kings, be wise. Be warned, you rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son and lest he be angry, you will be destroyed in your way. For his wrath can flare up in a moment. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. He reminds us, he says, look, I made this world and I rule this world. You need to keep that in mind as you read through the Psalms and as you go through life. And so Davis establishes, David establishes this. And, and at the very end of Psalms, the last major section of Psalm is just all about praising God. In Psalm 150, the book ends this way. He says, praise the Lord, praise God in his sanctuary, praise him in his mighty heavens, praise him for his acts of power and praise him for his surpassing greatness. Praise him with the sound of the trumpet and praise him with the harp and the lyre. Praise him with tambourine and dancing. Praise him with the strings and flute. 
Praise him with the clash of cymbals. Praise him with the resounding cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So if you want an outline of Psalms, here's how it goes. Psalm 1 says, you should read this because it's going to be a blessing to you. Psalm 2 says that when you read these Psalms, you need to remember that I am God and I rule this world. And Psalm 51 says, you will praise me, you will praise me, you will praise me. And everything in between Psalm 2 and Psalm 150 is simply just us learning to dance with God. And the reason why we can trust God is because throughout the Psalms, we have what we call these messianic passages or verses. Passages that, that point us to the Messiah, the Savior, who we know was Jesus Christ. And in Psalm 16, it says this. It says, therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body will also rest secure because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead, nor Will you let your faithful one see decay? You make known to me the path of life and you fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. David said, I can rejoice and I can rest secure because I know that God will not abandon me. And I know that God will not let his faithful one see decay. And so when Christ came and he came as a man, and he went to the cross and he died upon that cross and he shed his blood so that we could have forgiveness for our sins. And he went into the ground. The psalm says, your body will not decay. But three days later, he rose from the dead to prove and validate everything that he said. So when Christ comes to us and says, you can trust me, I go, why? He goes, because I died for you and I rose from the dead to prove that I can do anything. And I promise that I will love you and care for you for your entire life. And that is the confidence that David had. So when we go through life and we struggle and we worry and we fret and we have hardship and you all will, Here's what the psalm says. It says, take God's hand and let, you lead, let him lead you through it. Take his hand and let him lead. Because when we take his hand and when we let him lead, when the music is over, I can guarantee that you will have the best time of your life for now and all of eternity. Let's pray. Lord, I'm grateful that you give us an entire book of song and dance. Lord, our faith is not one of, of rigid and, and stiff and stoic. God, our faith is to be celebrated. Our faith is one of joy, but we know our faith also experiences hardship. And in that, God, that's when you come alongside us and you lead us. And to that, we are ever grateful. So may our hearts be full of joy. May our hearts be willing to put our hands in the airs to praise you. May we not be shy or timid about what the world is going to say or how they're going to look at us. But Father, let us praise your holy name for you are God and you love us. Amen.